Welcome the founder and host of BuddyCast, Nick Sorensen. Happy 4th of July weekend, buddies. It's another amazing episode of BuddyCast. I'm your host, Nick Sorensen. And joining me today is a very special buddy. He's done work for celebrities, including Elton John and Jay Leno. He's a fantastic artist. He gifted me with this wonderful painting right here is my buddy andre how you doing buddy great on this fourth of july weekend yes happy fourth to everyone and yeah. welcome to my to my studio here in los angeles oh <laughs> yeah yeah it looks yeah. beautiful thank you mm -hmm. i like the big poster in the background or the big painting in the background well, that's a big theme of my life right now, actually, and we will we'll talk about that. I'm sure you know. I know we'll, we'll be mm -hmm. talking about that in the uh, in the conversation. Yes, I also um, like the I also like the cat right next to you. Yeah, that's my. This is my um, my prickled money cat. Ooh. Yeah. So, what's the story behind it? What's the well, I work. I, I work. I've been working for a long time. I use this uh, the caulking material that comes in the uh, you know those tubes, uh -huh. and, I, and I take it and I and I, I pull it back, and it, it creates this kind of candy kissy effect. And oh. I've been using that in my artwork for a for a long time now. And uh, the, the 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 it's a silicon. I don't know, it's some kind of a silicon or something. But once I'm telling you, once this stuff dries, once it's applied to a fabric or plastic or wood or any platform this stuff is like really really tough it's like indestructible but it's a it's an interesting look so i got these i got i i i found this uh, i i believe the money cat is from the japanese culture not the chinese but um and and the hand going like this is mm -hmm. to bring good fortune into one's life so i i i got one of these uh in chinatown and then I prickled it like this, and and I, I gifted them to different people and whatever, and it just became a, a symbol for me Ooh. for because uh, I you know I'm I'm not that superstitious, but but you know I I try not to you know walk in front of a black cat, you know what <laughs> I mean? why take a chance? Yeah. So it's like it's not like I'm overly superstitious, but you know like I said, why take a chance? Exactly. So I'm I'm trying to uh, you know whatever it takes to bring in the flow. Come on, let's wave it in, Mr. Money Cat. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, that's a good entree anyway. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Now, let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back in time a little bit. What initially inspired you to become an artist, to become a designer? Well, that's a good question. You know, that's a good that's a good beginning question because um, that is my beginning. And, and um, my father is an artist. So I believe I picked up from my father and um, I, I've been painting since I was eight years old. And I, and I noticed one of your uh, 
pre-questions that you sent to me mm -hmm. was something about, uh, do you remember your first masterpiece? Mm -hmm. I actually remember it like yesterday, and I actually have my second masterpiece to show you, which I did in tandem with the first masterpiece. But unfortunately, the first masterpiece I sold to the American ambassador in Indonesia when I was 10 years old. I mean, that sounds like a line, but it's really true. I, wow. It's really, really true. So uh, that painting, my first masterpiece, was a, um, and how symbolic is this? Because it was an erupting volcano. And it was a really good erupting volcano. I wish I had that painting to this day. I swear to God. I wish I had this painting today. And um, to do the first major painting as an erupting paint, as an erupting volcano, you know, I, I just wonder what, what you know, you, you know, what um, psychologically what that needs, you <laughs> know, you know, what, what that symbology is. And I, and I did happen. I have my second painting because I did those, like I said, I did those two paintings in tandem and I still have the second painting, which I, which I do believe is, I put right up there is probably one of the better things I've ever done in my life. And I do have it. I just happen to have it here to show you and to show the audience. Um, yeah. yeah. So this, can you see that? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Pretty good. Well, let's see. There we go. There we go. That is beautiful. You did that at 10 years old? No, at eight years oh, old. Eight years old. Wow. Yeah, and I'm going to date myself now, but then 1958. So that was a landscape in from Iran. And and honestly, I think it, it, it the mood of it, the color, the, the mood of it really, I think, captures the Iranian um, the Iranian thing, whatever that is. But uh, because I, I grew up overseas and um, uh, I started painting, obviously, in Iran which was a, which was the, I started doing uh, landscapes because uh, in Iran, they, uh, they painted landscapes big time on little pieces of wood, on little, on, on little, little segments of, 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 of platforms. They would do rivers, they would do mountains, they would do little things. So somehow I think I, I, I was, I was influenced by that. Um, but my father, my father was a, a non-objective artist of dealing just with color and form and action, so I, I was I was extremely uh, influenced by that. But the combination, I was always looking for my own voice in using those kinds of different elements, and I, I finally found it, which we can get into later or whatever. But mm -hmm. I finally I finally found it during the uh, during the uh, 1960s American pop art movement, okay. which which incorporated advertising art fine art, humor, humor, big time humor, uh -huh. all together. And, and, and somehow I really, really, really felt a kinship to that. And I, I have actually been been doing that ever since mm -hmm. and still keeping it going. That's amazing, amazingly enough. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a quick follow up question. I didn't send you this one, but sure. you mentioned your, your dad is an artist as well. Mm -hmm. Did you learn any lessons from him as an artist? Like, did you pick up anything that he taught you or anything like that? I'm an artist. It's interesting because um, 
I have I have been a totally self-supportive artist now uh, for 39 years. I haven't even had, amazingly enough to me, even to me, when I say it, it's amazing, but I haven't even had a part-time unrelated art job in 39 years. So however I've been able to do, I've been able to make my living as an artist by hook or by crook, because it ain't easy, but I, but, I, but I have been able to do that now for, 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 for that long. And I, I never went to art school per se. I went to theater school, but I didn't go to art school. So my father in my life was, I think, really my overall um, kind of art teacher. But even he was not a person who was like a didactic type of person. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was kind of more passive. So whatever I could learn from him and pick up from him, I had to do that kind of by osmosis on my own. But, but the great the great thing and why I think it, it did seep into me at this stage in my life and thinking back and why I'm why I'm still here and happy about uh, being creative being a creative and, and and being able to entertain myself through my through my uh, creativity um, is is the energy and the color and the force that I saw in his work influenced me but because of him, I was schlepped to every, you know, whenever we could to any museum, any gallery. So I felt that through him, I got a tremendous art education just by being there. If that makes any sense. Yeah, that's that's the, that's the best. That's some of the best forms of education: observance, being in the moment, just learning well, by seeing what they're doing. I, I I feel that overall. Overall, I feel that the only only negative on that I, I could I, you know I could bring up or say is that I'm, I'm a, I feel sometimes I'm a little short on on the um, technique the technique level because I, I don't have a lot of schooling so I don't know all the different techniques so when I when I when I when I feel that I need to answer a question through technique or whatever um, I have to go out and ask people and get that information from other people um, but in that regard where I'm living in Los Angeles, um, and I've and I've been here. I'm into my 26th year now um, in my lost studio in Los Angeles, in a place called the Brewery, and it's actually built as the largest creative community in the United States. Uh, it was originally the original brewery site of Los Angeles, going back to the mid 1800s, and the last brewery that this was was Pabst Blue Ribbon Brewery, mm -hmm. and it went out in 1977. And in 1980, which was another time when they were trying to redevelop the downtown Los Angeles area, um, the people that bought this, that bought the brewery to develop as an artist, uh, um, as an artist uh, studio uh, situation, because all these spaces are all loft spaces. So they were basically all with 25 to 30 to 30 foot high ceilings. And they can range, there's about 340 units here. And they can range, maybe like the smallest would be about, I don't know, anywhere from 1,000 to 1,500 square feet, but that can go up to 10,000 square feet. So there's a tremendous, variety of square footage but the cubic footage is big everywhere and i've been living in high ceilings since about 1983 
and I must say, I, I do really enjoy the um, the high ceiling aspect of life. I, I, I can see why kings like to live in their uh, palaces and castles. There's something there's something uh, expanding about the high ceiling thing. I, I don't know psychologically what that is exactly, but uh, I like the high ceilings. <laughs> like up to the sky, you know? Like up to the sky, exactly. 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 Now, yeah. I got to ask behind you, Viva LA, for our audience members who maybe aren't familiar with that, could you tell us about that? Sure, I'd, I'd be happy to, because that... Viva LA right now in my life is is the preeminent um, drive or project in my life. Um, Trying to make this a story as short as possible. And no worries, possible. no worries. Okay, um, I came up with this phrase back in 2006, Viva LA, and I came up with that because I got a commission in 2006 to by a very important politically strong lobby group that uh, lobbies uh, business to government, that tr to tries to make the bridge as easy as possible for business to deal with government. And um, in conjunction, that just so happened in Los Angeles history that about maybe, I think it's less than 20 years ago, but let's say between 15 and 20 years ago, the same organization that gave me this commission in 2005 to do my spin uh, as a three-dimensional wall sculpture of the downtown skyline, the new and exploding downtown skyline. Um, to do that, to do that, 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 in fact, I can show you a picture. Actually, I have a picture. Um, yeah, wow, just excuse me for a sec. Okay, here we go. Can you see, can you kind of see that? Yeah. There you go. So that that was uh, that was a that was a five foot by eleven foot wall sculpture. It's about ten inches deep, and it's all done. There's no paint on there. It's all done with tape. So with little bit pieces of tape as a mosaic. So when you see that in person, it has a very very plastic kind of toy like feel. And I did that. So I did that in two thousand five, and that went on their power wall. Uh, of their uh, of the entry of the uh, foyer of their office right across from the conference room you have to understand i think as long as i've been in los angeles since 1969 um it's it's been a major thing here in la to redevelop the downtown los angeles as a hub for the city because there's no real center for los angeles it's it's a city of well la county is actually a city of 88 cities or a county of 88 cities. LA itself is only one of those 88 cities. So um, I did that and that sculpture turned out to be some kind of a keys to the city for me. Since I said I've been in Los Angeles, I came here to make it from graduating from high school in Seoul, Korea, which is a whole other story. But I went all the way through high school in Seoul, Korea, on, on, on an army base in a Department of Defense uh, uh, um, sponsored school, which um, I, I have to say, uh, the government, the Department of Defense, it, it's really fabulous. I mean, they have a lot of money. They have a lot of money. 
and everything they do, I'm telling you, people don't really, people don't get it in the States. You know, they talk about the welfare system, the welfare moms, the welfare this, that. That's all Penny Annie. Trust me. It's Penny, Penny Annie compared to the military uh, system, which is, gets so much money and is, in a, I think, in a way, um, a complete welfare system, like an Uber kind of welfare system. And I'm and I'm not complaining about that because I I I I I really feel that I'm I'm a uh, a major benefiter of of that system, which ironically now that I'm saying that ironically, um, and I don't know who's going to hear this con this this interview, but uh, I'm kind of feeling that way now, because um, through the COVID time, I've I, I've actually been able to be very productive and. Um, still very positive um, due to the government assistance, <laughs> mm -hmm. due to government assistance at this COVID time. Because, um, I mean, primarily, I mean, I'm somebody, I'm, I'm what they call a gig worker now. Mm -hmm. I guess. So I've never been able to, um, to get unemployment since I'm a self-involved, since I'm a self-involved and uh, self-employed. Mm -hmm. So I've never really been able to get unemployment. So during COVID time though, they changed that rule to include self-employed people. And thank God, because otherwise business is completely, um, no shows, no nothing. As far as an artist goes, there's no shows whatsoever, you know, uh, you know as, um, during this COVID time. So I, 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 I'm happy with the American government <laughs> in, in my life. I feel they've been, they've been supportive yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They've definitely, it's definitely been a help. I will agree with that. Even someone just like me working, you know, just that little bit of extra, just that little bit, like we said in the beginning, every little bit helps. I know. I never got sick mm -hmm. and I, I'm vaccinated now and everything. So I never got sick. So, um, you know, I, I it, it's been a great bridge. It's been, it's been a very helpful bridge and taking that back, actually segueing back to your question about Viva LA, Mm -hmm. So during during this this time of COVID, I and my and my collaborative uh, partner on Viva LA, the uh, the brand, um, we've really been able to focus on that on it a hundred percent, and um, it's going very well. So I I in in creating Viva uh, I created originally in two thousand six. I came up with the phrase Viva LA to go with the original drawing. The drawing of the of the LA of the LA cityscape, um, and that as a as a piece for T-shirts, for buttons, for uh, magnets, I, I used that, and it really really worked. But I but I never took the Viva LA slogan to the next step of really definitively anchoring it as as an absolute brand in the same scope. Let's say. As I love New York, mm -hmm. so until this this uh, guy Christian Mittman came into my life, and uh, and 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 we've now definitively made the um, the LA Viva LA brand, which is this. That is the absolute logo brand um, to Los Angeles, and LA does not have a catchphrase like I love New York. In fact. As it turns out, it's unbelievable to me still, but 
No cities have anything like I love New York. There's <laughs> no, I love Chicago. I love San. There's nothing like I love San Francisco. I love you're in Pennsylvania. I so I, I love Philadelphia or something. No other cities have that logo brand thing that New York came up with, which is I, that's that whole story is a story. But how they came up with that and since they came up with I Love New York, like I believe like about 1978, something like that. Mm -hmm. The success of that logo for the state, it was for the state of New York, not for just Manhattan. It kind of became over, you know, it became kind of the, the Manhattan thing, but it was really for the whole state of New York. It was, it was, it was backed by the state of, it was backed by the governmental money from the state of New York, not, not just Manhattan. But that icon for New York has been mind-bogglingly successful. They mm -hmm. made over $110 billion the state has made. And it still generates every year, it generates anywhere from 30 to $40 million for yeah. the state of New York. I mean, amazing. Yeah. And, and it blows me away that no other cities have, have thought about that for their you know, for their own, for their own thing. So that, that, that's a big backing of this Viva LA of coming in the, the Los Angeles, which is what the second or the week it's debatable, whether it's the first or second largest city, it's the largest County in mm -hmm. the country, but New York is still the largest city in, in the country. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that's where, uh, so that, that's kind of the Genesis of, of this Viva LA. And I'm, I'm, I, we've only, um, we launched it really. We got our website up in December, and then we had a launch uh, 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 in uh, from February to to uh, April to March, April, in Pershing Square in downtown Los Angeles, which was it just turned out to be like like the most perfect place to launch something. So, L.A. in L.A. that was like the perfect thing. And then we did a over Memorial Day. We did a three day weekend in different iconic locations in Los Angeles, handing out Viva LA flags and t-shirts and just promoting it. But the response has really been fantastic. And, um, and actually right now we're, we're, we're looking at TikTok is, it's very interesting. They're doing a big LA campaign and they're, they're looking, uh, they're interested in maybe utilizing Viva LA in that, which would obviously be, um, a big deal. That, that yeah. sounds Awesome. Like that sounds like a huge success story right there. And you're right. You know, well, so it's, it, it's really going in that direction. And, mm -hmm. and, I, and I feel as an immigrant here to Los Angeles, because um, like I said at the very beginning, something, you know, graduating from Seoul, Korea, Seoul American High School, born in the heart of Korea, you know, um, and coming here to make it. Because since I, I, I'm a nationalized American, but I, but I always saw America. That's kind of a big story because I always saw America from the outside and mm -hmm. it always looked like the city on the hill. You know, always looked like the smartest place, the most fantastic. Everything was always big, big, big. And honestly, I, I'm, I'm having my doubts these days. I'm really having my doubts these days. And it's kind of depressing, actually, in a way. But, you know, ever since the whole, well, you know, politically, you know, the whole. And I don't, I don't even think Trump is uh, political, really. He's more of a mindset to me. But mm -hmm. he, to me, is not the American mindset. 
that I mm-hmm. that I grew up with mm-hmm. that I prefer. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. I don't want to get into politics, yeah. so much. But, but again, like I don't think Trump is really political. I look right. at him as, as a total nutcase, and it's just it's just it's just unfortunate that I, I you know how many people follow him. It blows me away. Oh, it does. It, does. it I've blows seen... me away. Nothing political. How they can go after his character, I just I just can't understand it. I have seen through this past these past two elections, I have unfortunately seen so much rubble. We'll talk afterwards off here because I'm yeah, not, right, right, right. I like exactly. to keep right. politics <laughs> out of this, you know. Yeah, right, but right. Yeah. Just yeah. everything that I've seen, like I've seen relationships get destroyed because of it. I've seen friendships, you know, people who were solid friends who you know would have each other back in any moment of crisis. I know. Just, I, like, just like that, like just. Actually, you know, I'll tell you. I know. I don't understand because bottom line, I think he is absolutely nothing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, like I said, we'll t- we'll talk off air. Yeah. You know? Right. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> onto onto another subject. Yeah. One thing I wanted to first off publicly thank you for this beautiful masterpiece right here. Thank you so much. Yes. So, um, for those who don't know, I won this in a raffle with an Elton John group. It's beautiful. It's uh, I'm hoping to frame it soon. I just need to get around to that. So I got to ask, what's the story behind this? What's the, well, I, you know, I, 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 since I was, I was working, you know, working, I'm visualizing, trying to manifest, working my, here, let me get my hands in there. I'm working my <laughs> voodoo, you know, stirring up the voodoo. Um, so all everything I'm doing has something to do with Los Angeles. So I came up with these LA sharks. Now this painting happens to not be wearing sunglasses, but all my other paintings that deal with the sharks, they all wear sunglasses and they all have like a smirky smile. These guys aren't smiling, they're eating up somebody. But this, but, 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 but the symbolism of all these LA sharks with a smile, a big smile with, with, with the sunglasses, there's something about uh, swimming with the sharks. You know, it, 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 you know, going, it's kind of, it's kind of cliche that Los Angeles or show business, everybody's out for themselves and everybody will stab you in the back if, you know, they, if you're not careful and you're not getting what they want or what you want or whatever. So I, I took the shark as a, as an ironic symbol. And, um, and I, and I, and I like that. I mean, trying to make something like a shark, which is a, uh, overall kind of a negative, I think kind of a negative, dangerous uh-huh. uh, symbol, trying to make it ironic and humor, humorous. Uh-huh. Um, I feel that in my artwork, throughout all my artwork, whether and whether it's my own artwork, my fine artwork, or my collaborational artwork with celebrities, companies, whatever, um, I always like to imbue a certain bit of humor I think humor is really, really strong. And, yes. and, and talking about my influences, Picasso was one of my first major influences. I, I, I say now that I got, I got Picasso by the time I was one, which is, which is a difficult thing because it's setting the bar like really, really high and up from the get-go. And you can't be Picasso. You, know? you, can't, go to, you can't go to school to be Picasso. You either are or you're not, and my and my and my um, and overall for me in my life, I I've always wanted to be like Picasso, you know, or artists that I that I feel are at the highest level 
of their own integrity, their own their own um, style, but their own soul. And to me, soul is the most important thing. So, um, and you can't really learn that. You can only learn that from yourself, actually, I, I, I find. Um, so um, anyway, I forgot what I was talking about, but- um, The sharks? The sharks. So, so Picasso, no matter how dramatic he was, let's just take Guernica. I mean, that's as tough a painting, I think, as, you, as anybody could come up with, as an aggressive, tough painting, picturing the Spanish Civil War. You know, the, the, the subject matter, the content is as strong as it gets. But I still think that there is inside that painting, there is still humor in his composition, his characters, whatever. There's still some kind of humor. And I think that that is like a really, really, really important thing. Yes. And um, I, I, I keep getting things from Linda, which, which is how I got to you through this Elton John uh, fan yep. club. That, that I did um, a couple of weeks ago, interviewed a yep. couple of weeks ago, because I, I had the great life honor, actually, I would say, in my life. And I am a big Elton John fan, and I, and I, and I always, I, I have been since the 70s. But I had the opportunity, by chance, and it's a whole story into itself, I got to do these costumes for Elton John at the last design, the artwork for these costumes for Elton John, at the very, 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 very last minute, like a tremendous, you know, show business story. And as it worked out, one of those costumes, he happened, and I didn't even know about this concert that he was giving when I did these, and this costume, this one out of the seven, got to him the night before, which was this piano outfit, all 100% embroidered, this piano outfit, kind of a Pancho Villa, I wanted it to be a very powerful thing. So it was all with arrows and lightning bolts and the piano key. I, I use the piano keys as kind of a Pancho Villa bullet. You know how they, they had the bullets, uh, they put the bullets in these leather straps and they wrapped around their bodies. So I, I, I did that with this costume with Elton uh, wrapped around him because I wanted, I wanted his character to be out there with this outfit, like, like a warrior like a music warrior. And the piano keys were like bullets, but they were positive bullets. They were <laughs> bullets of, 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 of goodness, <laughs> you know? But I wanted, I wanted to have that kind of contrast. So in, in, in a certain way, there's a kind of a humorous um, quality to it, which I believe Elton also has. Yes. Like, Bottom line for Elton, and I thought you're a fan as well. I oh, believe. big time, big time. My um, girlfriend sitting over here can attest to it. So I believe, bottom line with Elton, he can be as dramatic, he can be as soulful, he can be as tough as any artist ever. But I also believe at the same time, what uh, there's a certain thread that goes through all of his work that has a certain humanity, a certain mm. humanness mm. and humor. And I think that is the combination that really makes it work, that really makes it timeless. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Elton John is, um, I mean, it's amazing. Cause he's not yes. old, he's not old, he's not young. He is timeless, it's timeless. Nothing is dated, amazingly enough, nothing mm -hmm. is dated. And, and you can only get that um, by time, you know, by time marching on. 
You know, nothing is dated. Yeah. Anyway, so that's what I've always wanted to be. That's what I've always kind of wanted. I've always wanted to be that that kind of essence or whatever. And um, and I'm feeling I'm, yeah, I'm getting closer to that. And my, you know, my age and everything, um, I do feel I'm, I'm getting closer to that because I, in in, in a way, I, I I do feel not in a way. Yeah, not in a way. I do feel very blessed because I I have been on my path um, of creativity my whole life, and nothing has really nothing has really ever gotten in my way for that. And when I've had potential life catastrophes, which could you know take one out of that road, uh, they all they all the, the few that I've had potential of major catastrophes that could really take you out of your your path. Um, nothing, it hasn't gone there. And if anything, you know, like that saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That, that has been my, uh, that's kind of been my mantra actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. You know, yeah. I agree 100% with that saying, it doesn't kill you, makes you stronger. Makes you stronger. Right. Yep. Just what I've been through through life, you know, I'm no. still, as, as Elton still, as Elton says, I'm still standing. No, I know. And it's funny you say that because I was just, I think, it, I don't know if it was you, somebody just put that on a rendition of his, mm -hmm. just put it on Facebook. And I was just listening to it before this, you know, for mm -hmm. some kind of inspiration. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and he was giving a whole different interpretation of that song, which I thought was, wow, was really technically, it was a whole different interpretation of it. The same mm -hmm. song, obviously, but the way yeah. he worded it, and everything, it was like a different interpretation. Yeah. And I, yeah, I do, I do wonder because, you know, he, as you know, he's just announced, you know, to, to he's resuming his uh, yellow brick road tour, world tour, but it blows me away with how many, I don't want to say, how many dates he is playing. It's unreal to me. Mm -hmm. The guy, the guy is a factory. I mean, what a worker. He's a nonstop machine. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yes. He's like 70, 75, 74, 75. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe now that he hasn't done anything in, in a year because he hasn't, his voice is probably better and he's dying to get back out there. Um, still, it's an unbelievable schedule. And I, and I, and I, and I, and I, and I, I really admire that tremendously. You know, yes. it's inspiration, really. I will say I am so glad he added so many more dates because I'm going to let you in on a secret. I've never been to an Elton concert. It's on my bucket list. Before he announced all these new dates, the closest I could get would be Hershey, Pennsylvania in, um, I think it was going to be in April of 2022. And that's like halfway, that's like more than halfway across April the state. Jesus. Yeah. Like that's more than halfway across the state for me. So I'm like, okay, that's my last hope. You know, at this rate, that's my last hope. I, I'm going to that concert no matter what. And then he makes this big announcement, and he's going to Pittsburgh and Cleveland, which are right next door to me. Right. The minute I saw that, I jumped on the tickets. I'm like, I am not losing this opportunity. I am jumping right here right now. No, so, and, and that's and that's really fantastic. I mean, like another maybe my my favorite all time artist or whatever as an inspiration as as like a Picasso thing, would be Frank Sinatra. You know, and and I and I and I was I and I and I finally was able to see Frank Sinatra a couple times, but only like at the end of his 
of his uh, thing, and which I still felt was extremely viable because even though his voice wasn't what it was, maybe like 20 years before, whatever, he was able as an actor, he was able to move and to present his work in a theatrical dramatic way that was like mind boggling mm -hmm. and, and so simple, you know, so less is more, but the less was so more, <laughs> I mean, really amazing. And I, and I, and I consider Elton to be in that same kind of class. So even though when you see Elton, you know, his, cause like going back to, uh, to my costume, this piano mm -hmm. outfit I did for him that turned out to, he, he performed it in Central Park, which is still the largest, I think the single largest audience he's ever performed to, which was like half a million people live in New York City in Central Park in 1980, which I, I, I do think that that was one of his best concerts ever. And I think that he was at the height of, you know, coming from the 70s thing, which was his big thing. And, mm -hmm. and he was like, to me, it's like the, you know, that, that absolute Elton. So I'm glad that I had that, but his soul, the soul is timeless. Like I said about the timeless thing, as I think any great artwork, I think the, the, um, the recognition of what great art is or whatever, mm -hmm. I, I, I think it's about timelessness. It's, it's not being able to keep it within a certain category. Or a certain time frame, the, the humanity about that artwork is so kind of general and generous that it 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 it, it it's so about the human condition that in reality the human condition hasn't really changed that much. Mm -hmm. it's, it's all the toys, it's all the the technology around the human condition, and that can be our our it could be our big downfall or it could be our big success. It's how we handle that. But the human condition, the human soul, I, I think is still the same, basically mm -hmm. the same throughout exactly. millennium, really. Exactly, and you're right. You can listen to his music anytime, anyone at any uh, age, and they still get the same message. They still get the same, you totally. know, you and me listen to the same song. You and me listen to Someone Save My Life Tonight. Right, you know? from generation <laughs> to generation. Yeah. And, and why does that happen when it's of that when art is on that category where it literally can go from generation to generation and you really can't dissect it. You can't really, uh, it just is, it just does that. And where you can get the young people, the middle people, it, it goes on and on because at its core, it's dealing with a basic human trait that doesn't change. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't change. No, it doesn't. Like I said, you and me can listen to the same song and get the same exact message you could have listened to this song, you know, 30 years ago or something. I could be hearing it for the first time today. Still has the same impact. Still totally. has the same message. Still, you know, we both get the same interpretation. We still get the same feelings and emotions. Right. So, so I look at somebody, an artist like an Elton John level, like, yeah, mm -hmm. that he's not a golden oldie at all. No. He's as, he's as, as, as relevant as he's ever been. It, it's just taken, you know, it takes different shapes and everything. But the but the but the core soul vibe thing is is uh, as relevant as ever. Yes, and that that's always been my goal. But that's a hard thing to you know aspire to because you either at the end of the day you either are that or you're not that. I mean, you know. Uh, Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah. speaking of Elton John, you've worked with celebrities like Elton, Jay Leno, 
Um, like, tell us a little bit more. I know you mentioned you designed Elton's jacket. Have you, first off, have you been in touch with Elton lately or anything like that? Like, if you, well, you know, I, I tried a little bit to try and reach out to him about, about getting involved with the Viva LA um, thrust. Um, but I did that. In fact, I, I, I reached out to him the day that I did the interview with, um, with, with David's um, Elton John fan club uh, mm -hmm. blog. And uh, I haven't heard back, but you know what? It's very tricky. And he's like really busy. Oh, I totally understand. I mean, putting on this whole concert and he's back in England now. And I mean, it's, it's like, a, you know, you say, so I, I haven't really been in touch with him, but, um, uh, I feel that I, I have been blessed in my in my time that I I've collaborated with, you know, like you say, different celebrities or whatever. It's not like I feel that I've done a lot of them, but the ones that I've worked with in a collaborative way have all been very, very, very unique and special and um, one off kind of things that, that I feel are once in a lifetime situations that that will go for the rest of my life. And um, like you said, uh, you brought up uh, Jay Leno. That's a good story. Um, it wasn't for him specifically. It's for the, the, the Tonight Show. Mm -hmm. But um, I was commissioned, um, yeah, back in 1997. I, I was commissioned to do a, um, I, I, and my claim to fame on, on the Tonight Show is that I'm the first and only, and I don't think it'll ever happen again, but I'm the first and only visual artist ever commissioned in the over 50-year history of the Tonight Show to do original artwork, backdrop paintings, uh, like 18 by 36 foot paintings and floors that were um, eight foot by, I don't know, 16 foot or 20 feet long or something. Um, a whole uh, collection of this artwork that they used on their shows. I was on about 200 Tonight Shows in all from about 1997 to 2004 for the, the, for the musical segments of the show. Because at the time, and this, and this was, came to me through the art director of The Night Show, his name was Brant Daniels, and he was a fan of mine. And they were, they were wanted, at the time, it was the David Letterman Show and The Tonight Show were the major competitors. And David Letterman, uh, when they had bands on the show, they had no set. They just used the same set or no set with every band that they had on the show. The Tonight Show, through this art directors, created a unique set for each different band for the band that came on the show. So that's how I got worked into it. And it actually, a good story about it was that they, the producers of The Tonight Show had to go above the unions to bring me in to do this because NBC uh, is extremely unionized. And normally anything that's done artwork or whatever that's done for a TV show um, is done by the unions. So they had to prove to the unions that they could not provide somebody like me. So they got it through the unions but the stipulation to me, I find this very, very fascinating, interesting. They demanded, they insisted that I had to sign the artwork that I did on the front of the artwork. 
Now, these are like really big pieces. So I sign my name like in the right, you know, the right bottom corner. Like any artist signs usually a painting or whatever. But I, you know, I, I couldn't do a, like a little tiny thing because I had to sign it in 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 perspective with the size of the art piece. Uh -huh. So my name was on TV a lot. <laughs> it got a lot of exposure, and I I I, I really felt that that was um, that that was really interesting. That that that's why by me signing it on the front, it made it artwork. Yes, professional artwork because scenic artists. Do not sign the scenery. They're nameless, you know, they're nameless people that, that do it all, but they don't actually sign the scenery. So that was what made that unique. And just another story to, to kind of to kind of um, uh, bridge with that. In 19, uh, yeah, 1992, um, again, I, I got a, a, another once in a lifetime, what I call another once in a lifetime gig for MTV. I, uh, I muralized the entire center basketball court at, Poly, at UCLA Poly Pavilion for a show on MTV called the Rock and Jock B-Ball Jam, which was a show, I don't know how many years, it lasted several years, but um, it was a, uh, a charity basketball show that brought uh, Hollywood celebrities and basketball celebrities together for whatever charity that they were all playing for, and they played this basketball game together. Um, well, actually, one of the one of the this was 1992. So actually, one of one of the celebrity players was uh, um, oh shoot, was um, oh my god, I just forgot his Michael name. Michael Jordan. No, no. Um, I don't know who the basketball players were, but the Hollywood celebrities was Marky uh, was Mark Wallenberg mm -hmm. and uh, Leo Caprio, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, he was one of. In fact, anybody can go see the show on on YouTube. It's all on YouTube, 1992 Rock and Jock B-Ball Jam. And it's the first and only full basketball court in history ever painted. And it went away as soon as the show, it was a one night show and they took it up as soon as the show was over, it was gone. But on video and now with YouTube, it's forever. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's really forever. Thank God for YouTube. And that's the other thing about YouTube with the Elton thing, with Central Park and all that. Mm -hmm. These are all things now that are really forever on YouTube yeah. segments. People can go in and they can just see one song. And actually, if I can recommend to your audience that they want to see the, 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 the Elton and Central Park concert with the piano key outfit, the two, uh, he used he my costume for the whole second act. But if they want to go to just to two numbers, Saturday night is all right. And Benny and the Jets, with him wearing the piano key outfit, in my in my humble estimation, it just doesn't get any better. I said that on the on, I said that on the last interview, but it really really doesn't get any better, because in all modesty, again, I, I think that my costume in that moment with him with five hundred thousand people, with Elton John in New York with five hundred thousand people in Central Park, that that costume totally was at his level. It worked absolutely at the level of the set, which was a high-tech set. And I didn't even know about the set because I got that gig at the very last minute. I got and that costume, I believe, got to him the night before that show. So, I, and I, uh, yeah, so that was just a, an amazing miracle. But it's one of those things that just that never goes away. Yeah.
it never goes away. You're absolutely right. My mom said all the time, you know, they would have to like wait up at night or like beg for an extra hour at bedtime to catch this special because, you know, back in those days, if you missed that special, you missed it. There wasn't any, oh, I'll watch the recording tomorrow or I'll, you know, catch it on YouTube or something like that. That was it. You, you had one shot. And if you missed it, you, by gosh, your friends were going to be talking about it tomorrow and you're going to have no idea what they're telling you, you know? Absolutely. And I just don't know how that YouTube, YouTube work. I mean, they must have billions of, of mm -hmm. content on there. It's just, it's amazing to me. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It truly yeah. is. It now, buddy, I got to ask, are you, are you uh, doing up to any projects today? Like, are you doing anything currently that you could let us in on? Well, funny you should ask. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's see, where did I put it? Um, yeah, I'm getting ready this week, actually, to start on a fantastic, what another once-in-a-lifetime gig, a series of them. And um, so I'm, I'm kind of, uh, this weekend, I'm kind of nervous and everything, you know, just psyching myself on, Hello? Yeah, I'm still here. I just gave you the screen because I thought you were oh, going to show us something. Okay, yeah. So um, I'm getting ready for this. I've got I'm all I'm I'm all um, organized. I've got my people, my team, and everything together. But I'm about to do a big mural on a uh, on a school, on a high school in Pomona, California, which is about maybe 25 minute drive from where I'm, I'm at right now. And this school it's called the School of Art and and a school of art and enterprise. And to give you a little background, there's three of these schools. They're, they're, they're um, oh shoot, they're, they're, um, oh man, like, um, elementary high school. And no, well, well, they're, what I've done is, is, is middle school and high school, but they're, uh, they're, 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 they're not private schools, but they're, they're combination, they're, they're charter schools. That's it. Mm -hmm. They're charter schools. So, but they're charter high schools, fame schools. So they, they teach theater, art, music, dance, and you know, in the regular uh, academic uh, program. Uh, but there's three of them in LA County. Uh, the first one is very close to me. Um, the second one was in Pomona and the third one is also actually pretty close to me. But all three of these schools in LA County, I love saying this, um, this fact, they all have graduation rates, high school graduation rates of 99%. I believe the average high school graduation rate in California is something like 75%, 80%, something like that, 75%, I think. So being that it's a very liberal arts education and that they have a, a graduation rate of 99% within wow. the 90 percentile of graduating students going on to college from an art school, I, I think that's like a, an unbelievable thing because as you, as we, as we know, the arts are always the first thing they get cut whenever they're cutting schools, the curriculum. So my, so the story with this school, with me, with my, with my um, history with the school in 2014, I was brought first to Pomona. Can you see that? Let me give you the screen real quick. Oh, there we go. There you go. So that was the first mural that I did for the high school in 2014. Wow. Yeah, and so in, as you can see, the, the the imagery is kind of figurative. Mm -hmm. I use I use the artist with the with the paintbrush as a worker, 
and the and the broken chains, like you know, to, to symbolize breaking out of one's chains, to be more creative. I have dancing figures, music. So it's a lot of it's a lot of symbolism. And then in 2015, they called me back. They had this one building donated, and and this is, and I'm telling you, this building, it couldn't be any more dead center, in the middle of this little town, in Southern California, and this is their middle school, which I painted the entire school. Wow! All, all four wall, all four sides of the wall. It's called the Pomona Copia, and people. It's actually a new word. People can. Google Pomonocopia, and they can they can see it and they can get all the information about it there. So now that's 2015. So now in 2021, they're they're calling they're bringing me back to finish painting the entire high school. So the next that the first outside wall of the high school was the one I did in 2014. So now the next the next mural that I'm going to start on this week on Thursday, uh, July 8th, this is a wall. This is part oh, of the mural. Wow. I don't know. Can you see that? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So that's part of the wall. But then this is a large part of the wall. This wall is maybe like 19 feet tall by <clears throat> maybe 100 feet long. And then it wrap, this, is a, this wraps around to the front of the high school with the name of the school and everything. And they have all these windows where their offices are, very kind of high-techy looking. And this is, this is like, a, it's a, it's a, it's like a band, a strand, a very long strand. It, the strand probably goes on for maybe 150, for another 150 feet. So it's an unusual configuration. But it's also on the main drag of the of the main street that comes off the freeway, going into downtown Pomona. So this is actually all being funded by the city itself, which is actually it's been an interesting thing getting the whole thing going because it's a city. There's amazing you know bureaucracy and everything going on that, but that is my that's my that is my newest most exciting thing because I. I feel kind of humbled by that, you know, because of the, um, I know it, it sounds wussy and all that stuff, but, but um, to be able to, to make my imprint with unfounded minds, with, un, you know, having an effect on kids going all the way through middle school up through high school. I mean, really, I, I you know, that's an amazing thing to me. And yeah. I, 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 you know, I, I, and I personally have never heard I've heard of other schools. I know of one actually in Los Angeles, but uh, I've heard of other schools doing muralizing different parts of their buildings. But usually, it's always different artists. You know, a different art. One artist gets one wall, another artist gets another wall. So it's always a collection of artists. I've never heard of anything where one artist, because when when because they're going to call me back after. There's one wall left to the high school. And the plan is for me to come on, to come back after I finish this one to do that next wall. And then that will be the entire school. So both the middle school and the high school will be completely branded or you know, whatever you want to say, branded or whatever, by my vibe, 
by my energy, you know, by, by my color or whatever it is. And that, that they feel strong enough that I'm able to, uh, you know, obviously it's to have one person come back and do something like that and to be so one person that there's a consistency to that. You know, there's a certain look that they want to be, that they want to be known by and they don't want, and they don't want to get anything else in between that. So I, but I, but I don't take that, I, I don't take that for granted whatsoever. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I still think that's a, a you know major thing to do. You know, mm -hmm. just as Linda says right here, you're leaving your imprint in the city. You're creating your legacy in Pomona, California. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, of all places, it's it, it it it's it's really true. It's it's kind of humorous, but it mm -hmm. is. Yeah, and a story you mentioned. You're doing this on July eighth. I'm starting on July eighth. Yep, that's actually a big day for me. So. July 8th is my little brother's birthday. Oh, great. And it's also, it's on a bit of a Saturday note, it's also the day that I lost my grandfather. Wow. I lost him back in 2014, but he, you can ask anyone that's watched the show, he has a big imprint on the show because he's taught me a majority of what I know today, like just my mannerisms, you know, being someone's buddy, being someone, you know, being there for someone. Like he was the person who would go to like a graduation party, seek out the person who was just sitting there alone thinking like, hey, you know, I'll just stay for another five minutes, have a piece of cake, say goodbye to the main people and head off. You know, no one will even notice. There's some, he would be the one who would sit next to them and make them feel as important as the person the party is for. Right. So. Um, wow. So, yeah. well, good. The synergy, synergy continues. Yeah. Exactly. July 8th. That couldn't have been, a, you couldn't have chosen a more perfect day, you know? Fabulous. Great. And he's actually the one that gave me, he's the one who gave me the name Buddy too. Anytime oh. I walked into a room that he was in, hey, Buddy, how's it going? Or like if, like, you know, if we were going somewhere and he was already chatting with people and then I entered, hey, come here, come here, Buddy, come here. Guys, I want you to meet my Buddy. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. and, that's how, and that's how the Buddy thing came up. Exactly. Because yeah. that's, that's it's obviously since it came into my life. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I've been thinking about that buddy word. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Now speaking of buddy, yeah, I got to ask you, what in your own words, what does it mean to be someone's buddy? Well, I've been thinking about that. Funny, you should ask at this moment because I, I have been thinking about that, and um, I don't know if anybody's answered it quite this way so far but i i i'm thinking of the buddy thing as being my own buddy mm. being a buddy to myself because being that i am um a, a self-involved artist and a, i mean I'm, I'm by myself a lot because of you know what i do and everything and i have no complaints at all but um i have to be my own best friend i have to be my own buddy and and i have to say that um there, there is kind of, there is kind of a split personality thing <clears throat> involved because when I'm, when I get into the creative process, when I get into my own Zen, since I didn't go to art school and everything and I, and everything that I self-educated. So, and at this stage in my game, I, you know, I, I, I feel, I, I hope that I have some kind of a system 
whether it's subconscious or conscious or whatever, but that, that's in there that I'm working with. When I get into the Zen of, of the creative process, it's like that's what where I feel the most exciting. I feel like another person. There's me, Andre Mirapolsky, as the person. And then there's me, Andre Mirapolsky, as the working artist, as the creative artist. And when I'm actually working on something, when I'm actually involved and focused, I'm very, very, very focused. I mean, I, 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 I can procrastinate. Trust me, I can procrastinate with the best of them. But when I when the when the light goes on, when the red light goes on, and I have to be there, I honestly I, I think I'm always I've always been there. I always show up and I always come through. And that is like my that's my own personal thing for me to 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 make it whole somehow. Mm -hmm. So it's a constant dialogue between me and my buddy and me and myself kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That makes any sense. I, I don't oh, know. it does. And you explained a lot of characteristics of what it means to be a buddy being there, you know, like someone you can, you know, joke around with someone that you can, you know, hang out with, just relax with. But the minute you're needed something, the minute you are, you know, the minute it's time to get serious or something, it's like a light flickers and like, bam, you're right. there, you know, you're dependable. You are that person. Exactly. But, but you ultimately reminded me of, have you heard the new Elton song? Well, not fairly new, but new, new you know, the new song "I'm Gonna Love Me Again." No, I haven't. Have you seen the Rocket Man? You've seen the movie, right? Yeah, the John movie. You know the song at the ending credits, the one that goes like "I'm gonna love me again." Check no. in. So it's this new song he and Taron Egerton created together. Oh wow! And it goes, you know, the chorus line is "I'm gonna love me again." Check in on my very best friend. Find the wind to fill my sails, rise above the broken man. You know, it's just a whole song about this message about like how, you know, loving yourself again, checking, like you said, checking in on your very best friend. Right. Well, you know, actually, it's very interesting that you say that and you bring that up about Elton because, um, you know, I felt what, so when I met him in 1980, mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, that's sort of how that all came about. It was just, you know, again, magic and being in the right place at the right time and, and totally serendipity. Mm -hmm. But I I think that Elton really had, and I and I think that he's totally, I mean, because he's a brilliant guy and he's an incredible speaker and everything. Oh yeah. But, but he was really screwed up. Oh a, gosh, yes. Psychologically, I think for a long time, and uh, especially in the seventies and into the eighties, until then he finally mm -hmm. got started getting sober. But he didn't really. I don't think he really uh, respected himself. And I think, and he had a really bad problem being his own buddy. Mm -hmm. And it was, I think it was the point, like if you paid him a compliment or something, that immediately put you down because he thought that you didn't know what you were talking about. You know, mm -hmm. how could you compliment because he's, he's so, he's full of shit or something. I mean, mm -hmm. really amazing that way. And he had this breakthrough, you know, whether it was getting sober and all that. And 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 I and that's why I'm I'm so happy for him because I, I do feel that he's finally in his life, thank God, he's accepted himself and what his role in the world while while he's here is. And mm -hmm. so I think he's evolved into not just being a fantastic artist, but he's now a fantastic, I think, an incredible person. Yes. I mean, incredible. Yes. And and, and that's a whole nother level of his whole. Uh, you know, his whole adventure, his whole journey throughout mm -hmm. his own personal life. 
-hmm. But I think at the beginning, I mean, it was really, I think he was really uh, an example uh, because you think, my God, he's Elton John, for God's sake. I mean, my God, he should be super happy and everything. But he mm -hmm. wasn't. He no. wasn't. Not at all. And, that's, and you remind me, of speaking of Rocky Man, you reminded me of my favorite scene in the movie. When he's at that intervention, he's at his, like, that meeting, and he's having all those flashbacks. <clears throat> like, do you ever feel ashamed? You're feeling sorry about things that just don't matter anymore. Right. And then he says, maybe I should have been more ordinary. And then he has those like flashbacks or those like, you know, the visions of all the people who are in his life, like his grandmother who says he was never ordinary. Then he has the vision of his parents who are trying to argue over him saying like, you know, look at you in here talking about your feelings. What right. a waste to or something. But he's right. like, well, you know what we need to do? We need to forgive each other. And then his father comes or his father comes in and he's like, don't blame me for his problems. He was, you know, all that to begin with. And then he's like, you know in, in his particular case, thank God, mm -hmm. he found his buddy really early on. And that buddy was music. Yes. And you know he found that music. I mean, because obviously, I mean, he, he was a, um, what do you mm -hmm. call it? Um, um, he was a, well, he's a genius. But, you know, that, that he could play, you know, he could play just hearing a, a song. Oh, once. yeah. He could play. I mean, he's a genius. But, yeah. um, yeah. So, but he, but thank God that he found that. And that's what kept him, bottom line, his music, because no matter how screwed up he was personally during the bad times with the drugs and the sex and rock and roll, blah, 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 whatever, mm -hmm. he never lost the music. Never. He, never. He always, and that's that, like that movie in his book. I mean, yeah. you really get that sense no matter what. He persevered through whatever. Thank God that he had that music. And yes. once, once he put his hands on the piano, it was over. And, and, and I think it's so interesting because he talks about, you know, that he never plays the piano just to play the piano. He doesn't mm -hmm. rehearse. He never rehearses. He only does it when he's doing it, but which, I, which is a little intimidating to me. But, mm -hmm. but, but still, I, I can understand that. So when he does have that focus, when he, the second, you know, the, the fingers touch the piano, he's gone. And that's what I, I really do think saved his life. Yes. For, yes. Know, really. And you know what else? You know what else? His buddy, who I consider his buddy, is Bernie Taupin. Well, when he met, when he met Bernie, because you even say it like in the movie, you see it in the movie, you know, he meets Bernie. He's like, you don't know how much you mean to me. Like, I never admitted to you how much I need you right now. And Bernie's like, don't worry about it, man. Right. You and me are brothers, you and me, this is what well, we do. It, it, exactly. But again, that story has got to be one of the most, you know, spectacular ser serendipity, synchronicity, showbiz stories of all time. Mm -hmm. Where you have such an unbelievable combination of artists collaborating together. And that he got Bernie Toffin, like the, the guy reaching into the stack of envelopes and completely by chance, Picking that one envelope, unopened, mm -hmm. giving yeah. it to Elton, and then he opens it, and he, they they get together, and the rest, as they it's say, history. History. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. That's one of the greatest. That's got to be one of the greatest all-time show business stories of ever. You got that right. And he mentions that in his book. That's my favorite part of the book. He has those. If this never happened, then this would never happen. If he hadn't had a bad audition. You right. know, if he hadn't failed that audition, if he would have never been handed that envelope, right. and we wouldn't have Bernie and Elton today. You Absolutely. Know? But see, but that element of life 
that transfers to you know to life to general life to other yes. people. You know, we all have those kinds of experiences, and and, and for myself, since this is my interview, um, mm -hmm. for myself, um, I feel that that's happened to me. That that's that's been my mo in my life is things out of the blue coming mm -hmm. things coming in out of the blue, and I and I and I feel that I, I've been very blessed that uh, so many of those things that have come to me out of the blue have all been you know, at this, uh, at this highest level. And I, and I, and I do feel that, that when I did that Elton John interview, um, one of the, one of the things that I was, that I said in that interview, um, about that particular gig, me getting that gig in 1980, that, that karmically, uh, yeah, karmically or, um, whatever way that, that, that kind of set that Elton and that, outfit and that whole moment in Central Park with my outfit and his singing and the, the whole the whole scene that moment that infinite moment because and on YouTube it is infinite <laughs> it's mm. forever but as a moment it, it will never ever 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 go away and um, those are moments to be you know to be savored and and you don't necessarily know why they come in at that time, but 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 they do, and and I've been able to repeat that now, you know, over and over, to the to the, to the degree where I'm about to do this mural, like I said this week, and once I do the the next the next wall, I can I will be able to say that I've I've, I've muralized an entire entire school, one artist doing it, so having an influence on those kids. Going all you know all the way from when they're you know I don't know what middle school starts at what I don't know seventh grade or sixth grade or something I think sixth grade yep sixth grade all the way through you know high school you know I, that that's uh, I I consider that to be a once in a lifetime thing as well mm -hmm. yeah and like you said it's all about those moments it's all about those moments if this hadn't happened this hadn't happened you know Just totally 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 mm -hmm. yep. yeah. I've got two more questions for you. The first one, if you could have our audience donate to one charity of your choice, what would it be and why? Well, that's a good question. And uh, I, I, I thought about that as well. And uh, since I am living in Los Angeles, um, a major issue problem in Los Angeles is um, homelessness. Um, and that is, that's, a, that's a concept which they haven't really been able to really deal with yet. They're building housing. Uh, they're building housing for homeless people in Los Angeles here and there. Um, and I think obviously through some of these programs that Biden is trying to get through on, on his bills, there will be more money for that. So if I had a charity and I would tell people to donate to some charity, there's an organization in Los Angeles called the um, LA Family Housing they're um, they're lafh.org, and I, I I would recommend I would recommend to them that because they've been very successful. I think they started about 1986, and uh, they've been very successful. And I I think that's like a buddy reaching out to help, mm -hmm. you know, existential yep. buddies or something. Yep. Yeah. Part of being a part of being a buddy is being a charitable buddy. Right. So. So. Mm -hmm. So I think that was that was an interesting question that you uh, thank you that you put to your subjects. Thank you. Yeah. And now it's time for what we call the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. Uh -oh. You ready for this? First uh -oh. off, you're not a guest on the show. You're a buddy. I'm a buddy. Okay. Official buddy. 
Thank you. But for all our buddies out there who are listening, what is your advice to anyone who wants to become a designer or an artist? Good question. I, I would say um, belief in yourself and persistence in that belief. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, you have to believe you have to somehow believe in yourself, whether it's on a cycle, whether it's on a subconscious level or, or a conscious level, you have to somehow believe in yourself and then and then uh, and have the confidence to keep going with that. Because it's it's cool. rare people get so, you know, overnight, you know, it's that hot, it's that American or Hollywoody kind of thing that, well, I, you know, I actually, I, 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 I give rock and roll. I think rock and roll is kind of a, uh, a villain in this because um, I think through rock and roll, the whole age thing came up that if you hadn't really made it in rock and roll mm -hmm. by the time you're, let's say, 23, mm -hmm. you're washed up. You don't mm -hmm. forget about it. Whereas, whereas normally throughout history, as an artist, you're supposed to get better as you get older. So, so a lot of times, uh, you know, artists, they didn't really get it or get, you know, get the accolades or whatever, you know, until they're older, until they're in the 30s, 40s, you know, even 50s, you know, even. But rock and roll made everything young, 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 young. And uh, if you hadn't done it by, by then, but um, wow, it's 4th of July. I don't know if you heard that, but uh, <laughs> there was a firework that just went off. Oh, that's what that was. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, that, so that would be my that would be my my advice is to um, reach inside and grow, and have some sense of yourself, and then be persistent about it. Love it, perfect it. advice. Believe in yourself, be persistent. Right. Perfect words to end the show today. Thank you so so much, buddy, for taking so the, the time to be on. Did we do a couple hours that went by so quickly? We did at least an hour. So. Wow. <laughs> well, yeah. thank you for being so mellow. Oh, absolutely. And hey, you. you are always welcome on this show. You are an official buddy on BuddyCast. So anytime you have something to promote, anytime you just want to talk about something, just send me a message. I will do. And you are always welcome. For all my buddies out there, this is my buddy, Andre. Please check him out. Check out his work. One more question. Where can people find out more about you? Oh, yes. So I, I have two websites, or I have three, actually. Um, there's Mirapolsky.com. And they got, can I, do I have to spell that, or they, they get that? Mirapolsky. I think I see. M-I-R-I-P-O-L-S-K-Y.com. And then there's AndreMirapolsky.com. And then the other one would be uh, VivaLA.us. Perfect. There's our, there's our buddy Linda. She's, yep. been, she's been wonderful. <laughs> oh, she is. She is. Great. She's been an incredible help. I don't, know what she, I don't know what she's on, but boy, does she have energy. Uh, anytime I have an Elton project elton related project like i've talked to john mahon from elton's band 
Uh-huh. I've talked to um, Adam Chester, the guy who fills in for Elton during rehearsals. Uh-huh. Anytime. I can always count on Linda to Oh, do so he, he does the Elton rehearsal because Elton doesn't do rehearsals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I'm told. Yeah, right. Well, exactly. Yeah. But anytime, Linda is right there helping me promote it and everything. So Exactly. It's true. Lisa, Lisa also. Lisa's, Lisa's a winner too. Yes. It's a yeah. funny, there's a fun, there's one story I'll tell you about Lisa. And then, then I kind of, have, uh, you know, got to tie things up here, but okay. um, Lisa actually was our most major donor. We do, we, I've taken a break from them because they've just, they've become a little too much, but we did this uh, fundraiser called Buddy Aid. It was a monthly fundraiser that I would do sponsoring different charities each month. And in the month of March, we um, chose to sponsor the Elton, Elton, um, Elton John AIDS Foundation. Uh-huh. And um, so John Mahon came on and donated a signed tambourine to the highest bidder, which was Lisa. So it was truly, it was, she donated wow. $300 and was truly ecstatic to get it. So fantastic. Yes. Good for Lisa. <laughs> yes. She well, has great you. taste. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Well, thank you so, so much, buddy, for being a buddy here on BuddyCast. My pleasure. You made my 4th of July weekend. Hey, you made mine too. I'm going to go socialize a little bit now. Yes. Same here. I promised my girlfriend I'd take her to see fireworks. So. Okay, great, man. Thank she's you, giving me, She's giving me the evil look right now. So. Oh, okay. Great. But, well, hey, thank you. Yeah. Okay. But, hey, bye, bye Jessica. Bye. Okay. Before we go, I have one favor to ask you. Sure. Go be someone's buddy today. That's okay. our saying, like Viva LA. Go be someone's buddy today. I will. I know exactly who to. So thank you. Great. Perfect. Okay. For all my buddies out there, this is my buddy Andre, and we'll catch you all next time here on BuddyCast. Have a happy Fourth of July, everyone. Absolutely. When the days are going fast, buddy, buddy, we've got to make them last. Buddy, buddy, before they've all gone past, buddy, buddy, tune in to BuddyCast. Don't feel like it can make it, buddy, here on BuddyCast. Hey, buddies, you thinking of starting your own podcast? Why not use Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast, and here's why. First off, it's free. Secondly, you have creation tools to record and edit right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor distributes for you. You can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Fourth, make money with no minimum listenership. And finally, you have everything you need for a podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started.